Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan, flying solo tonight. I've got some news and notes to go over along with our player spotlights. Of course, I'm going to kick it off with the bad news that we received regarding Corey Kluber. And honestly, at this point, we still don't even know how bad it is. Um, He broke his pitching forearm. It's a non-displaced fracture. The Indians are going to provide an update tomorrow, which will be Friday, May 3rd. But the beat writer suggested that three months might be an optimistic time frame. So that's not uh, a good look at all. With respect to what you should do, I mean, it's largely format dependent. If you have the DL spots, I think you have to hold him. If you don't, if you don't have that sort of room on your DL, I think you try to sell him. I would not drop him. Um, I think that there is going to be value that you can derive from him. Um, as time goes along, that will exceed what you can pick up in a format where, you know, you're not. Where, where, where maybe you don't have the sort of IL or unlimited IL, um, I, I still think I would hold provided I, I'm not just putting up a zero in his slot. Um, and honestly, I think as far as replacing him goes, I think there's two approaches that you can take outside of trying to trade for somebody else's ace, which I, I don't think you're going to be able to do unless it's one of the ones that has performed very poorly. Um, you know, I think you want to try and attack an arm that's gotten off to a slow start, but still has significant potential. Um, Aaron Nola's probably top of the line, probably a little bit more expensive than, you know, you, you, you probably would want him to be at this point. Um, I, I think that you would struggle to get the owner to do that deal, um, but you might. I mean, Nola's been frustrating. Zach Wheeler is another name that immediately comes to mind. Um, he, he, he and most of the Mets pitchers have struggled to this point. Um, I think that that's a problem with the feel for the slider. Um, I know Syndergaard had a fantastic start um, this afternoon. Uh, and DeGrom had a nice bounce back uh, the night before. And Wheeler himself had that fantastic outing last week, but came back again this week and sort of struggled with the walks and and balls in play and whatnot. But you know, I've watched Wheeler, I've watched Wheeler pitch every game this season. The fastball is still electric. I think the feel for the secondary stuff is going to come um, as the weather heats up. The contact isn't bad that he's giving up. He's still generating a lot of soft and medium contact. So I don't think the Babbitt issue is going to stick around. He's the one that I really wanted to highlight here because I think he's got uh, the right combination of cost and upside. Um, because, you know, I mean, he's most teams' second or third starting pitcher. And if they've gone out and they've gotten, you know, a, a, a Domingo Harmon or a Caleb Smith, um, who I, who I, well, I'm going to actually talk about both those guys in just a minute as the other alternative. But, you know, if if that is if Wheeler's team is one of those teams that has gotten lucky on the pitching front, he's sort of fallen down the totem pole and you might be able to get him at a reduced cost. And I think that another one is Yu Darvish. I mean, Yu Darvish is obviously off to a, a 
terrible start, but uh, overall, but he's been better in the last couple of starts. And, um, you know, coming back from an injury, maybe it's going to take, maybe it's taking him a little bit of time for him to find his command and he's starting to find it. It's easy to construct that narrative. Now that, that one's more for, I think, um, those with a higher risk appetite than someone like Wheeler or Nola. Uh, but he's certainly out there and I think you can get him. So he may be worth the roll of the dice. Um, and he's definitely the cheapest of the three. On the other side of the coin, which I hinted at, I mean, when we talked about very briefly Caleb Smith and Domingo Haman, um, is the paying up for the early breakouts and betting they can keep it up. Um, Smith, Herman, Max Fried is another one. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about Smith and Fried later, and I know I talked about Herman last week. Um, you're going to pay a premium for these guys, but if they manage to keep this up, and keep it up is a relative term, I mean, if they, if they continue to display the skills that they have shown, um, maybe the results won't be this good, but they will be strong. And if they do that, you're probably still not going to pay full price on what they'll provide in the future. You'll certainly be paying more than what they were going for a couple of weeks ago when you were able to pick them up off the wire. But you can probably pay a top 40 type starting pitcher price for these guys. Um, And you know, you'll have to give up a decent bat or a decent bat and another piece. But I still think that there's a significant chance that, that these players in particular return pretty good value over a top 40 starting pitcher price um, and have the ability to sort of bridge the gap to when you may get Kluber back or at least buy you some time until you can find a more permanent solution. We've also had several call-ups. Um, Carter Keyboom is one. Um, it's It's been a while since he's been up. Um, I think I may have missed him last week, which I apologize for. Um, he came up, he hit a couple of quick bombs, but has struggled since. Uh, no one knows how long of a leash he's got. Uh, Zimmerman's on the DL, Rendon's on the DL, Turner's on the DL. So there's plenty of bodies out, but I think Keyboom has got to start to hit to really secure a role here. Um, he could be gone once Turner comes back. It could be as simple as that because Howie Kendrick is hitting. They've got Brian Dozier. They they paid him. I know he hasn't been great, but um, he's out there. Uh, Matt Adams has always been the guy uh, that would fill in for the injured Ryan Zimmerman, and he's over there at first base. Now, yeah, if they really want to keep him up, they can keep him up, but I think Keeboom's got to prove it. Um, and, you know, overall, the Profile looks okay. Um, it's it's sort of a, a, a funny profile. I mean, he's going the other way a lot. Um, he's striking out a lot. I mean, over the course of 20-some-odd at-bats, uh, he's at a 36% clip. But the swing strike rate doesn't add up to that. You know, there's a lot of noise there. Um, the 12% walk rate is good. Um He's promising, but again, he's not... I don't look at him the same way I look at, like, Cole Tucker. 
And while I think Keyboom is probably the better player overall and has the higher upside, Tucker's got pretty much a free path um, to that job in Pittsburgh. Um, there are a lot of bodies that are going to come back in Washington and come back um, you know, relatively soon. I, I think Trey Turner is starting to swing a bat. Um, Rendon, they were trying to keep him off the IL with all their might. In fact, they probably screwed the pooch on that. Um, since now they're going to be without him for longer because they tried to get him to play in a game. He played and then wasn't heard from for three more days until they put him on the put him on the IL. So, you know, like like all these guys, he's going to have to perform to stay up because they're not going to let him struggle with the um, sort of reinforcements they have on this roster. Nate Lowe was also called up earlier this week, Tampa Bay first baseman. I placed a decent bid on him in my home league. Uh, where OPS is a sixth category, so power plays a little more there. And I think Lowe's got plenty of that. Um, Lowe also has the batted ball profile I've talked about with Alonzo and Walker, where the power can play, but so can the average, or at least the BABIP to keep the average afloat. He's got pretty good discipline. In terms of the eye test, I like the swing. He seems to go up there with a plan and an approach. I haven't seen the raw power show through yet, but you can definitely see it in the swing, how he would uh, get under one and drive it out. Uh, but again, like Key Boom, this is a situation where he's got to get hot in order to stay up. You've got Austin Meadows coming back here, right? And when Meadows comes back, he's in the outfield. So then you move Avisel Garcia to DH, and then it's Lowe or it's G-Man Choi. Eventually, they're going to get Joey Wendell back as well. We know the Rays like to fiddle with their lineups quite a bit. So it's it's sort of a situation where you have to... Um, he's going to have to start to, to put some numbers up in order to, to solidify his role. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in low. I, I do think he's got the pop. I do think he's got the ability to hit for average. But, you know, if you're going to see 50 plate appearances and that's what the team is going to base its decision on, um, you better you better make the most of it. Now, the only thing that gives me pause with low compared to key boom is Tampa is notoriously slow in promoting their prospects, and they were pretty aggressive with him. So that makes me think that they believe that he can help them and that he would be an upgrade over what they've got. And I don't think they would have started his clock without the intention of at least giving him a little bit longer of a leash than sort of what we've talked about. Um, but, you know, again, it can go south quick. Um, I, I think he's probably got a little bit more leash than Keyboom um, when everybody's healthy because I, I think he can sort of play his way into a fuller-time role, whereas I think if everybody's healthy in Washington, they might send Keyboom back down if he doesn't set the world on fire. Um, so I, I guess that's kind of where the line is drawn. I think Nate Lowe probably has to do a little bit less than Kiboom to sort of seize every day at bats. Um, and that might make him a little bit safer in the short term. Griffin Canning of the Angels um, came up 
pitched, um, I want to say it was Tuesday night, uh, although it might have been Monday. He looked good for the most part, um, generated plenty of whiffs, good velocity, but it tailed off as the evening went along. It wasn't it wasn't outstanding velocity. I mean, we're talking like 92 to 94. Um, that's a minor concern. Um, he gave up some bombs, but it's one start. I think he's definitely worth an add in a deeper league where pitching is a little more scarce. They've committed to him for at least one more turn. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy apparently loves him, uh, which is always a good sign when you know a high-quality defensive catcher is, is turning around and raving about a rookie pitcher. Um, now, you know sometimes they pump them up for nothing, but when you're generating, I think it was 22% whiffs over the course of a start, um, when the numbers sort of back it up, that's that's always a good sign. So, I'm 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 willing to buy in on Canning to an extent. Um, I don't believe he's got the ceiling of some pitchers that will come potentially later in the season. You know, your Jesus Lazardos, for instance, I think I think has um, a higher ceiling. Um, AJ Puck is another one that may come up at some point later in the season who I think has a bit more ceiling to him than um, Canning. But, you know, the pitching landscape down on the farm isn't, isn't robust at this point, at least in the 2019 call-up sense. So it's not the worst idea to place a pretty good-sized bid on Canning uh, because you, there's no guarantee you're going to see Puck because of the, the TJ. Um, Lazardo's coming back from injury. And, you know, there, there's just not a lot down on the form this year that's going to come up and set the world on fire. So if you need a guy that's that's going to give you a little boost at the back end, uh, Canning might be your guy. Tyler Beatty also getting the call up. Um, control issues have subsided enough uh, in the minors this year that BD gets the call with Derek Holland hitting the DL. Uh, less than ideal uh, first start in Great American Ballpark, but the Reds have been mostly cold through this part of the season, so um, he might be able to find his way through it. He's unlikely to become an extremely efficient pitcher given the control issues, so those in quality start leagues may want to ignore him, but he certainly got the stuff to generate Ks if that's what you're after, uh, provided you can absorb what is probably going to be a unattractive whip. Um, as far as comparing the two, I would certainly prefer Canning over uh, BD. Uh, I think Canning's got a bit more um, upside in the short term, and... You know, he generates the whiffs without without the heavy walks. So you don't have to worry as much about the problems with the whip or if there are blow-ups, he's, it, it's going to be earned. You know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a situation where there are hits followed by homers as opposed to uh, he walks a guy, he, a guy gets hit by a pitch, he walks another guy, and then he gives up a grand slam, which could be the case with Petey. And uh, the last piece of news I want to touch on is uh, Jose LeClerc is out as the Texas closer for the time being. Sean Kelly is in, apparently. 
Uh, Leclerc becomes the first semi-expensive closer to lose their job. Uh, he's going to work in low leverage situations. With Leclerc, I would hold for a week and see if he gets the job back. Um, you know, you never want to cash out too early on a closer and then, you know, two or three games later he's back in the role. You have to see it through. And especially with Kelly being the guy that's going to assume this role. You know, we've been waiting for Sean Kelly to become a closer for five or six years now. Um, He's always been a trendy name. But when he's gotten these opportunities, it hasn't worked out for him. Now, he certainly got enough swing and miss to make it work. Um, And we've seen him be a very good relief pitcher before for stretches. And if you buy into the theory that the ninth inning doesn't matter, um, there's a shot that Kelly is good. But I would just caution that based upon his past, that there is the potential for him to fail in the role. Um, and, And that might limit the amount that I'm willing to spend on him. Now, that said, if you're in a deep enough league, saves are saves. You know, you you have to you have to you have to get the saves, and you if he's got a shot here, um, all it takes is him to get you know three or four in a row, and then suddenly he's got some job security and some leash where he can absorb a blow up or two. You just have to hope that the blow up's not coming in his next outing. Okay, that's going to shift to the player profiles or, or spotlights as we like to call them. My first player up is Luke Voigt. Um, he's red hot uh, after a middling start. He's been carrying the Yankees through these injuries. He's up to eight bomb. He's up to nine bombs. Excuse me, two seventy-seven batting average with a solid walk rate and pretty good strikeout numbers for a corner infielder. Uh, you know we got lots of pop coming off the bat. He has that balanced profile where it's line drives and grounders um, that are able to make up for the fly balls, and the um, strikeout rate. So it's a it's a decent power average sort of combo, or at least it's not going to be an egregious average. Um, you know, we had Toby gave on from, of uh, Batflip Crazy on uh, during the preview shows, and, and when we talked about Voight, we were completely head over heels upon our digging on him and, and analysis on him. And I think it still holds true. I mean, you know, I think Void has shown solid skills to this point. I think he's displayed that he's not a total fluke. Now, yeah, he's probably not going to hit 20 homers over 140 at-bats again this year. But he's at 9 through April. There's a very real chance he's going to be a, a mid thirties Homer bat that could hit 270. Uh, and that's a very valuable piece, especially in the middle of a Yankees lineup. That's going to get better before long with judge coming back and Stanton coming back and Hicks coming back and the potential for Andahar to come back. Uh, it's, it's going to be much improved, um, from what it's been. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big buyer on Voight. I doubt you can get him for what you got him at the draft table. But it's it's worth sending out a feeler. Nick Anderson's the second guy uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, relief pitcher for Miami. 
digging a little deeper, I had to talk about him tonight because Nick has been going crazy over this guy uh, for good reason. 18.69K per nine with a walk rate under two, a swing strike percentage, just a hair under 20% overall. Those are obviously fantastic numbers. The breaking ball has been absolutely filthy. Um, he's ownable definitely across pretty much any format at this point, but Nick has been running around calling him Josh Hader, and I would be careful to do that just yet. Um, he's allowing a ton of hard contact when the contact is being made. And if you watch him pitch, it's easy to see why. I mean, he, the fastball command just isn't great. Um, there's a lot of 95-96, which is fine, which is fine velocity, but it's middle of the zone. And he's simply challenging hitters inside the zone. And it's there are times where it's not going to the corners or up or down. It is middle-middle. And thus far, it hasn't burned him to a, um, a large extent. Uh, you know, there hasn't been that moment where he gives up a single, he gives up another single, and then he gives up the three-run bomb. If he continues to throw strikes, you know, middle-middle, that's going to change. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't own him. I think you should. Um, I think he's excellent ratio help at this point. I think he's excellent K help. But I think that if someone's willing to pay you the equivalent of what you could have gotten for Josh Hader at this time last year, I would recommend that you do that. Okay, Danny Santana, uh, the Texas outfielder slash second baseman. So you have a little bit of eligibility there, which is always nice. Uh, I definitely was not expecting a return to relevance for Danny Santana, but baseball has a way of surprising you. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure most of you out there weren't weren't expecting this. Um, he seized a nice little role following the injury to Rugnet Odor. Um, that gave him some playing time at second base. He's been in the lineup most days. But, I mean, to me, he, right now he's a classic ride-the-streak player. He's got disproportionate K and walk rates in the bad way, meaning the K percentage is in the mid-20s. The walk percentage is down at 3%. Uh, he's got a, a good batted ball profile for batting average. But the pop has never been there at any sort of pace in the past. Um, so you question how much three home runs are for real. Um, and, you know, there's the reality that he's a cold week away from being on the bench again. Um, he, it's not like he has any sort of leash. I mean, he can chip in um, some some cheap steals. Certainly, if you're weak there, I have no issue with... Um, you know, placing a bit on Santana and trying to grab some speed while he's hot and getting on base. But this isn't, to me, I don't think this is going to last very long. All right. Uh, Rafael Lopez is, a, is the next guy. Um, he had this awesome performance over the weekend with 14 strikeouts. We know the story with Lopez at this point. I mean, the fastball is good. The secondary stuff can be. Um, when it's on, it has the appearance that it's 
fantastic. When it's off, it brings the fastball down a level and he gets knocked around. You know, can that secondary stuff take a step forward? I think it's unclear at this point. Will he find consistency because he's been so inconsistent? The answer is, regrettably, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but in this landscape, I will tell you that it might not matter. Um, it seems as though pitchers are either good or... It seems as though pitchers are running either good and bad or just plain bad um, almost across the board. Uh, pitching in the central with a good fastball is going to help him. Uh, it might keep his blowups to the to a minimum because the AL Central is so weak. Um, you know he's not a bad candidate among that group that we talked about earlier, the um, the Max Freeds, the uh, Caleb Smiths, the Domingo Hormans. I think he's a little bit lower on the scale from those guys, but um, he's also got the ability to reel off some nice starts with good K rates. Um, you know, as a potential bridge that you can ride for a little bit to replace or help replace Corey Kluber. And, you know, if it goes bad over a couple of starts, you can cut bait. But uh, he also won't cost much to to acquire. So I'm going to talk about his teammate, Tim Anderson. Uh, six homers, 10 steals, an average well over 300. Uh, if you would have told me that before the year started, that this is where we'd be with him, I probably would have laughed. But then upon thinking about it, I wouldn't have found it that crazy. I mean, Anderson's always been a player that runs very hot and very cold. Uh, we saw it last year uh, where he was red hot to start the year in the first half and then in the second half tailed off pretty severely. Um, he's got the pop and the speed. We know that, but this is all about the BABIP game uh, because he doesn't walk much. So the question is, can he generate enough hits to get on base so he can run? Uh, to me, I, I would bet that you've probably seen the best of Tim Anderson at this point. And if I was owning him, I would be looking to move on uh, because I think right now you can probably get a pretty penny for him. Uh, you know, especially in this world where everybody was so terrified of the stolen bases being down and you've got a player that's that's hitting for pop as well and hitting for average. Um, you can probably turn what was a, what, top 150 uh, draft investment into, uh, you know, a top 75 type player at this point. So I would, I would certainly consider that because, again, we've seen it. We've seen him run hot and then run very cold for extended periods. Um, and that's because he doesn't get on base if he's not hitting. And inevitably, the, uh, the Babip gods will come for him. Uh, so I, I think I would. I think I would be trying to move on from him. Another guy that I want to talk about tonight is Joey Gallo. Um, he's all the rage. Uh, everyone is going nuts because he's hitting 264. The 11 bombs aren't surprising to anybody at this point. It's the 264 that's shocking. Um, but there, there's some good news here. Uh, he continues to show increased discipline on pitches outside the zone, and he's taking more walks as a result. If he can keep the improvements on pitches outside the zone, 
he certainly got a chance to be that 225 to 235 type hitter that we all thought he could be. Uh, I, I don't believe he's going to be a 250 hitter. I, I just think that there's too many fly balls in this profile and too many strikeouts for him to hit 250 over the course of a full season. Uh, so, I mean, I think his higher ranges of possibilities is that 235 to 230, 225 to 235 type production. But, I mean, if he's there with 45 to 50 bombs, you're, you're, you're definitely turning a profit. Um, but you know, I I almost think right now I would, I would be shopping him because I think the hype is very strong and there's a good chance, a considerable chance that Joey Gallo is Joey Gallo and going to, you know, morph back into the 200 the 210 hitter that he's been for the entire time that he's been in the big leagues. And that's much less attractive. Um, as you start to go down the scale, I know it's only seemingly 10 to 15 points, but it becomes a lot easier to swallow a 230 batting average than it is to swallow a 205, um, particularly in Roto. So, yeah, I, I think I'd throw his name out there just to see what the market would offer me. Because I think you could actually get a pretty good piece back at this point for, for Joey Gallo, considering the amount of buzz that's out there about him. So, all right, I'm going to wrap up tonight with um, two pitchers that I've sort of brought up in the periphery. Um, at the top of the show, uh, the first is Caleb Smith, who we've talked about a couple of times through the early parts of the season, uh, but he was excellent again last night versus the Indians. He's generating whiffs on all three of his pitches. I think the command and the control have both taken a step forward for Smith from where he was last year. If you recall, last year we were dealing with a walk rate over four this year. The control is much better, um, and he's also doing a better job of uh, getting ahead in the count. And having watched his starts, it's it's not middle middle. You know, like we're not. This isn't Nick Anderson we're talking about, where he's simply putting the ball in the middle of the plate and guys are swinging through it. I mean, these are pitches that are on the outer edges of the corners that are getting for either called strikes or just off the edges of the plate and generating swings and misses. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that Smith has taken a step forward. Um, he's at the top of the list. If I'm the Kluber owner as the guy that I'm trying to go out and get, um, you know, he, he's a, he's a pitcher with a limited track record he plays for a bad team. Uh, I think that he might be somebody that, Owners are throwing out there, figuring that this is going to turn bad before long. Uh, he's got that high fly ball rate, which uh, still sort of carries an unnecessary stigma to it. Um, and what I mean by that is people are still concerned about the homers, especially in an environment where everybody's hitting homers. And they see that gaudy fly ball rate and it becomes a concern. But he's got the ideal home park for it. And 
the thing about fly allowing a lot of fly balls is yeah you're you're going to give up more homers than if you're you are a ground ball heavy pitcher but you're also likely to have less guys on base when those homers happen because fly balls generate less hits than ground balls do in terms of BABIP. So I, I think that the homer thing might be a little overblown. I think you'll probably get Smith for right around a top 40-ish starting pitcher price, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ends up as a top 30 starting pitcher. Um, when it's all said and done, provided he stays healthy. So Max Fried is the last guy I want to talk about. Um, he looked excellent last night, pumping mid-90s from the left side with the hammer curve in tow. Uh, the velo waned a little bit towards the end, but you know that's just something to monitor in my mind. Um, he was still very effective nonetheless. He's earned himself some leash in this rotation, so you don't have to worry as much about the job security. I don't think this is Sean Newcomb at all. Um, Freed has shown better control and command than we ever saw out of Sean Newcomb. Um, and, you know, being under, being, being under control and showing this sort of command and pumping that type of velo from the left side with the curve it's sort of a James Paxton starter kit. So I think there's a lot to be excited about here. Um, and, you know, he's definitely another one where I think you can get him. You'll have to pay up compared to what you would have paid. But I think that his future value probably exceeds what it'll cost to acquire him now. I think people will be willing to get out from under him, given the fact that they'll think that this is their best stretch. And to the extent, I mean, they're probably right, that Smith and Freed have probably saw the best month of their uh, respective seasons. But it doesn't mean that they can't be valuable contributors going forward, um, and they have all the ingredients to continue to succeed uh, going forward. So I'm a buyer on both of them especially if you're trying to replace a pitcher like Corey Kluber. Um, I think that these might be the cheapest options uh, that you might be, you might have available to you that you can actually go out and get. Okay. And that's going to wrap it up for the show tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at Patrick F W O. If you have uh, any fantasy baseball questions, I will of course take them. Um, and you can follow my colleague Joe Saunders at JoeFWO. And I don't know Nick's Twitter handle by heart, but you can you will find him. He's he's the guy that's posting the crazy Nico Goodrum gifts <laughs> all over the place. Um, and uh, again, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>